Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, open up to the book of Joshua. I'm not going to put uh, the scripture uh, on the screen uh, this morning. Um, and by the way, I forget to say this a lot, but if you don't have a Bible, we give Bibles away. We love giving uh, Bibles away. We actually give books away for free as well. But uh, there's some Bibles uh, on one of the tables back there. And if you don't have a Bible, please leave here with one uh, as a gift. Um, but if you're familiar with the story of uh, really Israel in the Old Testament, God raised up uh, a man by the name of Moses, uh, who at the time was a very unlikely candidate uh, to lead uh, a nation of Israel. And uh, I say least likely because he grew up in Egypt and... Uh, by de fact of committing a murder, he uh, was exiled uh, of sorts out of Egypt, meaning he ran away and lived in a, a foreign land for about 40 years. And uh, roughly around the age of 80, uh, God calls this man, a former uh, guy who was a murderer in the country uh, uh, of Egypt, to go back to Egypt uh, to free the people of, uh, uh, from who free the Israelites who had been in bondage for roughly 400 years. Uh, so Moses begins this journey to go back to the place he ran away from uh, to lead the people from Egypt, um, Israelites, uh, out of Egypt. And there was roughly about two to three million people. So this is not leading a handful of people. This is leading millions of people. And uh, Moses was not a perfect man, but he was a faithful man, and God used him in great ways. And after Moses came a man named Joshua. And uh, I can't think of, you know, bigger shoes to fill than someone like a guy like Moses of how do you step in after Moses? I mean, who would want that job? Uh, it was part of writing, you know, or receiving the Ten Commandments. It was part of the plagues and the battles that he had back and forth with Pharaoh and uh, crossing the Red Sea and all of this. And if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking I don't want this job. Uh, but God raises up uh, a young man by the name of Joshua and one of the first things that Joshua, his biggest challenge that he really faced uh, was crossing, not the Red Sea, but crossing the Jordan River. Uh, if he was going to get into Jericho, uh, he was going to have to cross the Jordan River. And just to give you a mental picture, uh, my wife and I were in Israel about a decade ago. Uh, Jordan River is not you know, a small little stream. If you think of the Charles in downtown Boston, it's probably about twice the width and I don't know the depth of the Charles, uh, but it's not just this simple little river where, you know, it's three feet deep. Uh, so it's a pretty significant body of water here, the Jordan, uh, River Jordan. And he has to get the people literally across the Jordan River. And God tells Joshua, what I've done for Moses, I will do for you now. Uh, and I will part the Jordan River. And if you're uh, in Joshua, go to Joshua chapter... Uh, Start at chapter 3, verse 14. It says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. So waters are not calm by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, this is a uh, flowing river. It would be great for tubing, uh, but not necessarily great for trying to walk across. So now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. 
in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down uh, to the Sea of Arabath, which is known as the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. Imagine if you're one of the leaders, one of the priests, and you're standing in the middle of the river, not sinking in mud, not getting all nasty, but you're standing on firm, dry ground. And you're looking down a great distance, and you're looking left and right, and there is no water coming. The water has been completely just stopped, and you're on dry ground. I'm guessing if you're one of those priests standing in the middle of the river on firm, dry ground, you're thinking probably to yourself, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen, and I'm in the midst of it right now. God is doing a great thing. And the story goes on in chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord, the whole nation, is roughly at least 2 million men, and you have to add in at least a few more million people for, for women and children. Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Twelve men go into the middle of the river, right where the priests were standing, pick up twelve stones, take them from the riverbed to the other side and to the place where you're going to camp this night, build a monument uh, a memorial that would actually look something similar to this. This is roughly 12 large stones with a couple small ones to hold it together, hopefully. <laughs> but this is roughly what the stones would look like. Uh, I'm not saying in terms of color and that kind of thing, but I just wanted to give you a visual of what the size of the stone would have looked like. Why would you do something like that? Why would the instructions from God to be, go pick up a stone, 12 of them, and then build a memorial, a stone structure? I wanted to ask a question. How many people here, and you've got to raise your hand on this one, how many people here have a really, really, like, really good memory? Raise your hand. All right, about five of you. How many people at least remember the question I just asked? All right, a little bit more than five. That's good. It's amazing to me as I consider um, what I remember and what I don't remember. I often remember and can remember the muck and mire of life. I remember the things that were said to me that were hurtful. I remember the things that were done to me that I just didn't like. My memory seems to hone in or focus on, I can't say it any different, just the muck and the mire of life. But the things that often don't stick in my memory bank is the stuff that was just God, stuff where he provided, stuff where things that I had specifically prayed about and how quickly I can move on the next day or a week later and a month later and I'm living and acting as if God never really answered that prayer because I've just forgotten. I remember a lot of the, the bad stuff, but why pick up 12 stones, build a structure such as this? What's the point? And I think the point, I'll read on, 
The point is pretty simple. God doesn't want us to be forgetful people, but yet we're forgetful people. God wants us to be men and women who are sharp when it comes to our memory. And not just a memory of what I had for breakfast today and, you know, what the scores were and all of that kind of stuff. God wants us to have a sharp memory of not just who he is, but what he's done. Because if I've forgotten what God has done in my past, my future walk with God will not look that great. Because I will always live moving forward, wondering what God might do. But if I'm a man or a woman who has a great memory of the things that God has done, it will shape who I am in my walk with God because I remember the things that God has done. Why do I need to worry about this? Because God was faithful here. The point of building a stone structure for this was so that people would not forget. That people would not forget. He goes on in Joshua chapter 4. So Joshua, um, and read, if you're reading along with me, I'm in uh, chapter 4, verse 4. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. Bless you. To serve as a sign among you. And I love verse 6 to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Forever, that's a pretty long time. Meaning God did not want the people of Israel to ever forget what he had done for them on that day, so that when children would come and be like, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, nana, hey, papa, what's up with this structure here? Why is that there? Oh, let me tell you the story. And I, I remember the story as if it was yesterday, because my memory is so good of the things of who God is and the things that God has done. And every time I would see a stone structure and by the way, this is not a one-off occurrence. Throughout the Old Testament, this was a practice that's, that the Israelites would do. When God would do significant things, build a stone structure as a memorial, as a remembrance, as a reminder that God is real, that God is active, and God is doing things in the lives of people, and he doesn't want us to forget. Jump down in chapter 4, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Testimony to come out, out of the Jordan. Everyone had passed, and the priests are just still standing in the middle of the river. And I'm thinking, if I'm one of them, I just want to stay there. This is amazing. So God had to command Joshua to go tell the priest, guys, it's over. Everyone's through. Get out. And so Joshua goes to the priests in verse 17. Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And no sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground when the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future... 
When your descendants, descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? I want you to listen here. Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. There's something in God wanting us to remember not only him, but remember the things that he's done in our life so that the people around us, our neighbors, that the earth might know that God is real, that God is active, that God is powerful, that God cares. God is doing things in our lives. God wants us to be vessels, wants us to be storytellers. It's a great way to think about it. God wants you to be a storyteller, not just making up stories with you as the hero in each story, but telling and recalling, recanting, or not recanting, but recalling the stories of what God did so that the earth might know who God is. And then secondly, as Joshua said, that you would always be a man or a woman who knows how to fear the Lord. And remember, as we talked about in Proverbs, to fear the Lord is twofold, that you have this awe when you consider God, when you look at God, when you ponder who God is, it leads you to have a reverence and awe of who he is that leads you to worship him. Not to be afraid of him, but to have a fear, a sense of awe that leads you to worship. And then the second aspect of fearing the Lord means that you just hate the things that separate you from him, namely sin. Proverbs 8.13, to fear the Lord is to hate sin. So this morning, what we'd like to do, uh, and we've done this, this is probably our, our third or fourth time as a community doing something we call Share Your Story. I'm going to pray, uh, and then as I always pray in my prayer, that someone will be sitting here in the chair by the time I say amen. The heart of sharing our stories is not to make much of you. You're not the hero of the story. The hero of the story is always Jesus, is always God. And this is not the opportunity to share your life story of, you know, when you came from the hospital and, you know, the party, first party you had. The point of this is just to consider, maybe over the last few days, maybe over the last few weeks, maybe over the last few months, what has God done that you just want to publicly say, you know, God has done this in my life and I just want to thank him that he's been good or he's been gracious or he's been forgiving, he's been providing, faithful, whatever it might be. So the hope is to have as many people share stories of God at work in their life. And if you're here today and you're thinking, I don't have one story of God at work in my life. Why we keep the cross as the center of our gathering space is because if you can't ever think of one thing of God at work in your life, then you can always look at the cross and say, you know what? I'm feeling pretty disconnected from the Lord right now, but I'm not disconnected from the cross, and I just want to say thank you that Jesus went to the cross for me. So you might not have the personality that's comfortable with coming up and sitting in a chair and talking into a microphone in front of a hundred some odd people, but I hope you can get over that quickly today because God might use your story 
to really encourage someone else who needs to hear that story. Because can you imagine being that kid coming up to your dad and be like, Dad, what's up with these stones? And then the storyteller tells a story. And the kid is like, wow, God did that? I hope we will have storytellers today who will tell a story of what God has done so that us as a community would listen to the storyteller story and be like, wow, God did that for you. I'm so encouraged by that and that we would be encouraged uh, in our relationship with the Lord. I'm going to pray, and then the format is just come up and uh, uh, take uh, 60 seconds, take two minutes, three minutes, try to keep it short so we can have as many stories as we can. Father God, I give you thanks that you have given us a story to tell. Jesus, I give thanks that you've loved every single person in this room, despite us just being rebellious and very selfish and just wanting to do our own thing. You loved us enough to come and give your life, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross and rise again so that those who would place their hope and faith and trust in you would have a relationship with you now and forever. God, I do give thanks as this church just turned one. We as a church have so many stories of how you have provided for us, of how you have blessed us. And this morning, God, we do not gather to celebrate ourselves. We do not gather to make much of our accomplishments. God, this morning, we want to celebrate you. We want to give you thanks, Father God, for who you are, for the things that you have done. Jesus, this morning I pray that our hearts would be so open and receptive to the stories that would be shared. God, that we would be encouraged and blessed. God, if there's someone here today that uh, their heart is even racing right now at the thought of wanting to share but scared to share, God, I just pray that you would give that individual and maybe many individuals that you would give them a great sense of your peace to be a storyteller today. God, do a great thing in our midst. We celebrate you and who you are and the things that you have done. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Hi. It's right up here. Yes. Um, this is Amanda. Amanda, welcome. This is not Amanda McBride. She used to be Amanda McBride, but uh, she converted. Um, she's now Wernicke, and um, uh, Amanda got married two weeks ago, so three weeks ago. So welcome back, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But you can grab the mic; would be awesome. Hi everyone. Um, I've been coming for about two and a half years, and haven't had the boldness to come up here. So I figured it was about time. Um, I'm not going to share my whole faith story because I think if I'm not going to cry either. <laughs> okay. So I was spending time with God yesterday and the word goodness is, is all I can think to share because We serve such a good God, and if I were to share um, all the stories of his provision, 
and there goes my notes and my grocery list. Um, <laughs> um, and his faithfulness in my life, I think I'd be here all day. Um, but mostly what he has been just um, put on my heart, what he has put on my heart lately is that um, this Christian life is not about, you know, our 15 minutes in the word every day and making sure we pray for 30 minutes every day and going to church on Sundays and all these legalistic things that we try to check off our to-do list, but just tasting his goodness and um, experiencing him and looking at the cross and just seeing how good he is and longing to serve him because of what he's done in our life. I really didn't think I was going to cry. <laughs> um, but I just, um, you know, I've seen him do miracles in my family, um, provide for me in droughts. Um, most recently, I just got a call from a principal. I've sent out probably 50 applications and haven't heard anything. And then two days before our wedding, um, like a Friday night at like 8 o'clock, a principal called me. I didn't even interview. Like I chatted with her on the phone, and she hired me. Um, and I have so many stories like that where God has just blown me away with his provision um, when I surrender to him and when I give up my desires to his. And it's not always easy. But um, when I do look back on what he's done, he's a God worth serving, and he is good. And um, 11 years ago, I started praying for a godly man and thanking God for him every night, and I married him three weeks ago. So I've got lots more stories like that, but um, God is good. And there is a verse I wanted to share. Um, if you feel like you've been... Um, away from him or out of his presence, and um, it's very easy to just get out of the word, even for a couple weeks, and it's, sometimes it's so hard to get back in, but um, my youth leader used to tell me when I was younger, you know, God is a gentleman. He stands at the door and knocks, and it's, it's us that needs to open the door and let him back in, and what's cool about God is that he's not just filled with grace and mercy, but he longs to give it to us, um, there's an awesome verse in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 30, 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is the God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Thanks, Amanda. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. What's your name? Uh, Lily Sutton. Lily. Mm -hmm. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. This is my first time here. Just uh, so you know, we don't always make first-time people <laughs> come up and share, so well, for it's me, pretty bold. It's a, I have shared a lot of things in the past. Okay. Uh, 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 different things, but... This is one main one that I wanted to share to people that was unusual, and it was a very strange day, morning. Strange morning it was. Well, I, I was, this, I'll tell the story how before all this happened. Well, I lost 
a church before, and it closed up. So I was hunting for a church. Didn't know where I was going. I tried Catholic church. I tried three times. Couldn't do it. Couldn't understand anyway. So I said, I'm going to leave. So I had to do some more hunting, trying to find a church. Didn't know where I was going. Don't know for sure if I could do it. Well, one day, something told me a long time ago, the open door. Well, who knows when the open door was going to be there. So I didn't even know. It was a long while after that when that all happened. Well, so I started hunting in Melrose. I started going there. I said, well, this church is there. So I looked in each different one. So I thought, well, let's see if I could find the right one. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, what I was, where I was supposed to go. I didn't even have any uh, maps or anything to tell me where to go. So anyway, I kept looking. So every one of them didn't seem to be just right. So I left. So I was going to one, but I had to cancel out somehow. So I had to go home. I think I was tired or something, or my feet and legs were bothering me. So the next time I was going to go to the church, that same church, somehow I was starting and I turned to my left. I was going to my left. Before I even got into halfway of the turn, I got my eye on the right eye. Look, I just happened to glance at this other church the big church. Didn't know I was going to go there. Just happened to see it. The door was open. I said, huh? And I was going to go to the other church. Didn't know I was going to go that way. Well, here I go. I said, the open door. Oh, yeah, I was told the open door. So instead of going to the left, I went to the right. So I went to the right, and I stayed. Well, now I've got another story to tell to about this church I started in. Well, when I started going, I got to liking it. I liked the people and everything, and it was better than the place I was before. Everybody seemed to be to themselves. Nobody was bothering with me and talking, not talking with me. I said, oh, forget it. I left. So anyway, I... Uh, found out this church was more than I ever realized. Well, this certain day happened, as usual. Everybody would go to the church, as usual. Well, my usual going to church was very different this time. I was coming in and sat down like everybody else. And I, all of a sudden, I started feeling funny in my head. I was feeling kind of weird. And then after, I kept feeling it for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, I just felt feeling sick. So I started, had to start leaving in the back of the row and leave from there to a certain place, trying to hold myself up. I didn't know what was wrong with me. A couple of people saw me, and they came to me and seeing that was, and I said, they asked me what was wrong with me. I said, well, I was kind of dizzy and uh, I felt very sick. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was very sick to my stuff. I didn't know what was happening to me. Well, anyway, on and on, everybody, other 
uh, I think two more people came into it. And, and they all had to stand around. They were trying to figure out what was wrong with me. So one person decided um, they'd get a car, their vehicle. So they did. They brought that up. And other two people, I, I don't know their names. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, I tried to keep holding up, but I was I was getting weaker and weaker out of it. So I ha so they as soon they as soon as the vehicle came, two men picked me up in both arms and walked me right to the vehicle. I couldn't stand up very well but I was able to move to get into the vehicle. So I was able to get that far, and they, this party that had the vehicle, was her name was Mary, and it, it, it wasn't for her. I wouldn't have probably made it today mm. if it wasn't for her. To, pick, to get her vehicle, it was a good high vehicle, good thing, and I wouldn't have, I probably would be still standing waiting or something from someone Coming. Okay, all right. Now, uh, she got me to the hospital. I had to wait quite a while. And I had a problem inside of me I didn't know. And found I can't remember the name what the problem was. <laughs> but anyway, I had to have an operation to tend to it. I got that problem out of, and now I'm here. Mm. And thanks to everyone on in Hope Alliance Church that has closed, we'll never be able to forget this, and I will never forget it, because those ones that did the job was the work of God. Hmm. Thank you. Thanks. For listening. DJ, going on. Good morning, guys. Um, yeah, I had a word too. Actually, I was thinking about this yesterday, um, and just I had something in my heart I wanted to share, and to get the nerves out. No, and uh, the word just survival came to me. Um, when I think of the word survival, I think of two things. I think of Bear Grylls. Have you ever seen Discovery Channel? And uh, he goes out for about an hour, which is more days on, uh, for our hours TV. And just goes out and survives in, uh, in the wild and teaches you, you know, different tactics and how to get through. But there's also another survival um, that for the past couple of months I've been paying a lot of attention to, and I've really noticed, um, which is something I experienced over the last few years, of, of just getting up in the morning, surviving the day just to make it to your pillow that night and get up and doing the same grind the next day. And um, a lot of people I've talked to lately, I've noticed they're kind of in that same mode. And you know, that was kind of what was on my heart to share today was just that, that there's a daily grind that I think as the older we get, we get used to the real world, um, and we just try to figure out, you know, what is the real world. We just, we just kind of get in this momentum. We just get through the day. We work for the weekend. Hear everybody say TGIF. But we get this idea in our society that you just grind the week out. You just get through it and get to the weekend, get to the weekend, and it's, oh, it's Monday morning. This stinks, and we go do it all over again. Um, that's become a pattern, I know, for me for a lot of years. And, um, and over this past year, I've had a lot of opportunity to just kind of look at that and, uh, and just really just kind of look at where my life was going. And I looked at it, I'd really lost my joy. It was the bottom line. I just, I grinded out those days and just wanted to survive. Um, and over this, this past year and coming to this church, um, which has been a little over a year now, 
um, I met through some tremendous men in this building that have really helped me try to see that that life needs to be more about just going through the grind and through the just getting through the daily grind of things and and getting that joy back um that godly joy back and the other day I was meeting with uh with Paul and he shared this verse it's Romans chapter 12 too <clears throat> and it says do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will and, I mean, that's the biggest thing I can really just take from being here at Genesis for this past year and just meeting you, Michael, and just the mission of this church. Um, it really just taught me what life was about again. And it, and it, and it just, I, I'm just thankful to start to have my joy back and just start to have that transformation back. And so if anybody's out there today and you're in that position, um, I just know personally a lot of people who are and just don't know how to get out yet. Um, you know, they just go through the day and they just want that joy back. I'm telling you, it's it's in it's definitely it's in God, and there's and there is a way out. Um, I don't think there was for a long time. And I thought life was just going to be this way, but there is. So I just uh, encourage you, definitely as Jamie was talking about about joining the life groups, but um, but just share what's on your heart. There's a lot of people here you can really trust. I know for me, trust was a big thing, but since I've opened up and started sharing a lot of my life and my story with people, I've really had that joy come back. So thanks. Thanks, DJ. Kenton. I guess um, DJ sharing that sort of prompted me to share what I was going to um, keep to myself a little bit. But <laughs> um, I think over the past uh, month or so, I've just really been convicted lately that um, I spend most of my day surrounded by um, just worldly desires and passions and not being okay with that. Um, just from the standpoint of um, what, what our life, you know, what, what are people trying to get out of life? And um, I just really, I have a heart that uh, we have a community of guys that are no longer settle for that. And coming into this life group uh, season, where Yifong and I are leading one on godly men. And my heart for that is just that um, anyone involved in that, both Yifong and I, I, you know, I pray that those would come on a journey with us just um, as we explore that and figure out what it truly means to be a godly man and no longer um, settle for this idea that I'm surrounded by this world and not, not be okay with that anymore. And so for me, my heart is just that... Um, that we become a community of godly men, and I believe that's entirely um, possible. Thanks, Ken. Hello. Good morning. What's your name again? My name's Kelly. Kelly. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm doing well. Um, I am a Gordon student, kind of. Um, I'm from Westmont, which is a Christian school in Santa Barbara. And I love it there, um, but I love the beach much more than I loved my studies last year. Um, and I ended up losing my academic scholarship. But I felt like Westmont was really where God wanted me to be, and I grew a lot, and I knew him on such a deeper level than ever before. Um, and then I felt really called to work at this camp this summer, which was awesome. I got to know all these great girls, but it was summer camp, so I didn't make a lot of money. And my dad was like, if you want to be a Westmont student, you have to work a little bit for it. 
Um, and I felt really convicted because I felt I could work a job somewhere where I could make a lot of money and not be surrounded by Christians and not really grow, which is what I so desperately wanted, or I could work at this camp, make nothing, and have this amazing experience. So I ended up working at this camp, and then in July, I got an email from our president of our college saying that Westmont was really over-enrolled, and they were going to offer $5,000 to go to Boston for a semester. I've never been to Boston, and I was like, okay, God, if this is like my manna, make it very clear to me. Um, and so I prayed about it all summer, and between what I made at camp and then the scholarship, I made up um, 7000 of the $8,000 that I lost. But then Westmont decided that too many people were excited about this, and so they weren't going to offer the scholarship. Then a week, <laughs> a week before um, school started, I had already bought my ticket to Santa Barbara. I got a call saying, um, we still need Westmont students. If you're interested, you have a day to decide and then go to Boston. So I spent mm, a couple, five minutes in prayer, and I decided this is where God wanted me. Um, and it has been the most amazing experience. Every day has just been so full of joy and excitement and love. I'm just having conversations that are just so clear that this is where God wanted me to be. So hallelujah for provision, and yeah, awesome job, awesome job God. <laughs> No, just your shadow. <laughs> this is John. John's been away uh, for the last couple months. Uh, he's been training as a chaplain uh, in the Air Force and uh, is a new dad as well. So, yes. And uh, <laughs> welcome, John. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I graduated from Gordon Conwell in 2009, and um, it's. Uh, it's an interesting thing in this whole being called to ministry and, and seminary and all these things. And um, I could make this really long, but I'll just stick to one thing that's been going on recently. But um, uh, in the, since I graduated, my wife and I, we bought a house in uh, Beverly. And um, it's been good. It's been a nice change, you know, because as I'm sure Michael will tell you, you know, you spend th three years in seminary. You know, your brain is like, you're just ready to do something else. And I was looking for manual labor, so, so absolutely, I did that. And um, so essentially, I've been working on this house for the last two years. And, you know, if anyone, any, any of you guys have done big projects, after a while, you're just, you're just done. Like, I just, I've been so done for the past two or three months. And, um, and God's been really faithful in that he... Uh, he provided this opportunity for me as an Air Force chaplain to go to, um, to uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, which is now where they have a, uh, the, um, the joint um, chaplain school for Army, Navy, Air Force. Hmm. And, um, and this is the second, the second Air Force session they've had there. And it's been great. I just got back a week and a half ago, and I was able to spend six weeks or seven weeks or so with, um, with you know, a bunch of priests. Um, whole bunch of uh, Protestant chaplains and and it was just it was just really an evidence of of God's ministering to me 
you know. In the Air Force, they have this thing lately they've been talking about, care for the caregivers. And, um, and it's, it's really something that's really crucial, especially living up in an area like this, as I'm sure you all know, is that it can, it can get spiritually dry at times, and you just need that encouragement. You need, need to be taken care of. And um, so I guess one of the things that could come from this is uh, uh, I encourage you to, to really lift up Michael and, and prayer and other leaders because it's, it's, it can be rough. It can be rough. And, um, you know, trying to discern, Kate and I, trying to discern, you know, what God has for us, what church we'll serve in or where we'll go or all this kind of stuff over time is, um, you know, it's just, just something you have to deal with. And, uh, but it's just, it was just such a great time. I should tell you, if anybody's heard of the Staybridge Suites, has anyone heard of Staybridge Suites? Okay, you must not be aware yet. But they have the most spectacular <laughs> hotels. I mean, like granite countertops and everything. So we were, I was living large in South Carolina, let me tell you. And on the government dime, getting trained to do all kinds of great chaplain things. And so I, all I got to say is hallelujah for the government and spending money on me. <laughs> you know, and praise the Lord. So it's good. Thanks, John. Yeah. <laughs> Suze? Hi. Um, I'm probably going to cry, just so you know. Um, first off, I'm going to read a verse that I've been clinging to all summer, and it's Proverbs 16:9. that says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And um, I'm moving to Texas in 10 days, and this is my last Sunday in this building, and I have such a heart for this church and for this community, and um, it's been such a struggle um, with making the decision to leave because I don't want to. <laughs> um, but as I have been focusing on that verse and just focusing on what God wants for our lives, I've come down just on two concepts. Um, basically, my life is not about me being happy, <laughs> and um, a lot of times... Just because something's easy doesn't mean it's for my good, but God has my good in mind. And so um, there's a lot I could say about this. <laughs> um, but basically, um, I've spent the past three months just going back and forth. I'm going, I'm staying, I'm going, I'm staying. And it seems like every day, maybe even every hour, I was going back and forth about this decision. And um, it came down to last week, I was speaking with the woman who I'm going to do an internship with. And she basically gave me 12 hours to decide, and I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> I'll go back and forth 100 times in those 12 hours. And, um, and so as I just started praying about it, I just was remembering all that God has been showing me this past year of my life. I've gone through some really um, difficult things the past year, and God was just teaching me these three concepts that kind of build on each other. First off, he taught me just how much he loves me, and he loves me so much more than I could even imagine for myself. And so even something that I might think is really good for me, it's not necessarily good for me in God's eyes, and so he's going to take those things away from you. Um, and so because he loves us so much, the next concept he really brought me through was just how much I can trust him because perfect love casts out all fear, and so we can trust in that perfect love. And so um, just learning what it looks like to trust God and to really lean on him for everything and know that he's going to give us what is good in his time and in his way. Um, and then towards the beginning of the summer, um, my life group this summer did a book called R12, which is by Chip Ingram. And 
Um, we watched video messages with it, and the first concept of the book we studied for probably the first five weeks um, was just one chapter, um, but it was just all about the concept of surrender. And if you know somebody loves you and you know that you can trust them fully, you can completely surrender your whole life into their hands. And so when you know God loves you and you know that you can trust him because he's the only one that's trustworthy, you can just lay everything down. And so, um, and just even on the concept of surrender, like, that's not easy, <laughs> obviously. If surrender was easy, it wouldn't be called surrender. It'd be giving away <laughs> or something else. Um, but just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's not good. And so, um, yeah, and so basically just knowing that God has our good in mind at all times, and he alone is the one who knows what's good for you. Um, even what I think might be good might be staying here and doing amazing things here, but if God has more amazing things for me to do that's better for me and it's better for something at large for his glory, then I need to go and do that. And um, Yeah, and so then there's just one. Um, I've been listening to a bunch of sermons online, and um, there's one concept that this one guy keeps talking about, and he just talks about life is about looking more like Jesus, more today than yesterday, and more tomorrow than today. And I know that if I go and do this program, my hope is to, in a year from now, to come back here and to be able to pour into this community in a way that I can't right now. And so um, I would covet your prayers um, as I go and as I do this, that I would intentionally be focusing in on just character traits and um, just beating the living sin out of me <laughs> um, is kind of my um, exciting thing. Um, stuff I've needed to do for a long time, but just remember your life's not about your happiness, and sometimes what's good for you isn't going to be easy, but giving that up for the sake of the gospel is what's most important. So, Thanks, Susan. Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm also someone who didn't really want to come up here, but I <laughs> just saw how clearly God changed me this summer that I really wanted to proclaim that and give him the glory for it. I was in a life group with some awesome women, and we did a book study. It was um, Lies Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. And it really, I, I just felt compelled to be in this group because I knew there were lies that I believed. But I didn't really know what. And that was revealed to me over the summer. And God just has continually brought into my mind when I believe those lies that no that is a lie that is Satan trying to deceive you and this is a truth so I just want to proclaim that and give him glory and just show that he has definitely worked in my life this summer thanks Emily hello Sarah Hi there. How are you? Hi, everyone. Um, so I came to Genesis back in, let's see, January, mid-January, and um, I was in need of a community and just some people that I could come alongside and um, just live life with and who love God. And so when I found Genesis, I just something inside of me, like, just really became alive and I knew it was God inside of me and I knew that I really wanted um, to be a part of this community.
community and be a part of the, the people and what they've been doing here. And um, yeah, it's just been an amazing ride um, being here at Genesis and uh, definitely, I'd say, um, the life group that I was in in this past um, past spring uh, was probably the most uh, for my heart and my needs of what God was trying to show me and, and build in me was probably the most exciting. And just the things that he showed me through um, just through that group of women. And yeah, I just, it, it causes me to love God more and just want to share that with you guys. And that life groups are not something that is you know, just we talk about, they talk about up here, and that they're really like a time to like really um, share what God has been doing in your life, but also go deep with people and really like see how God, you know, really wants to um, work on the stuff in your life. And yeah, so with that, um, I have a, a verse that I'd like to share. Um, I don't know, it just, it just came to me when I was uh, listening to other people um, speak, and I felt like you guys, I, this is kind of what I believe about um, my, myself and who God is. Um, but, what are, whatever is was pro but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Um, so that's pretty much what I'm about, and that, you know, God is my my rock and my, you know, solid foundation. And, yeah, that this Genesis, is uh, this community is amazing, and um, they're helping me to keep solidifying the, the rock that you know is there so yeah that's about it thanks Sarah it is uh, 12 o'clock um, and we usually end our gatherings uh, at 12 or pretty close to 12 so um, still want to celebrate communion and uh, do some more worship just in response not just to the stories we've heard but uh, to who's authoring each of these stories um, being God and um, I will open it up for uh, one more person. If you've been sitting here for the last 45 minutes with a beating heart of wanting to share something and feeling God want you to share something, then um, Zebo John Zabrowski. My name is John, and um, this summer was, I think, pretty difficult for me. Um, I found out in April that my mom had melanoma, and, uh, you know, when I got that phone call, I was just, you know, you know, I just felt something choke up in my throat for the first time in my life, and, you know, I've heard that expression before. I didn't really know what that was like, and when I felt it, you know, it just had this complete shock go over me, and... Uh, you know, the first thought to my mind was, you know, I have to go see her. And this summer, I've spent a significant portion of my summer going to New York every couple weekends and just trying to be around her. And uh, I found out last month that apparently right now uh, they got all the cancer out. And uh, I'll be monitoring it going forward to see if she, you know, doesn't have a relapse or anything. So um, that's just, 
praise God that, uh, you know, she was able to recover and uh, that, uh, you know, it's also, uh, I think, changed her life a bit, too. And uh, she's uh, more committed to her church community than she's ever been before. And um, they're fully supportive of her. Uh, It's been a blessing that they've been able to watch over her when I've not been there for her. And uh, and also that uh, I think something just to, you know, give uh, thanks to God that I have a great group of guys at Genesis that are around me and supporting me too because, you know, all the people I'm in with Life Group have uh, helped me uh, grow tremendously and uh, it's really through thanks to them and their belief in God and uh, my ability to uh, just listen to what they have to say and speak into my life and just do the simple thing of just following what they're telling me to do because more often than not, they're right and I'm wrong. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you Uh, next Sunday, um, many ways, uh, share your story will continue because uh, 11 people who are getting baptized uh, will have an opportunity just to share a simple three to five minute long testimony of um, what God's done in their life and uh, why they're getting baptized. So uh, I do hope and pray that uh, you'll come back uh, for our service next week. Uh, but it's just uh, listening to the stories today and... Um, I'm just reminded of uh, God has given us a great story to tell, uh, that we could go from here uh, as storytellers, uh, telling the people that might be in your own house, whether it's a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter, a grandparent, next door neighbor, people in your workplace, people you work out with, people you play with and socialize with. Uh, There is no greater story than the story that God has told us and uh, lived out for us uh, in the giving of his son Jesus. And um, these stones, um, I just wanted to at least create a mental picture, uh, a physical picture of uh, what the people of Israel uh, would do. And um, Joshua said this, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Um, God is real. God is active. God is powerful. God is moving in our lives. God is moving in lives uh, around us. And I pray as we would do some worship and celebrate communion, um, we would do so with a great sense of gratitude for who God is and what God has done. And uh, one of the things we do at Genesis every week is to celebrate communion and is to be reminded uh, every single time we gather that it's because of the cross that we have life. It's because of Jesus that I have my sins forgiven. It's because of Jesus that I can even call God my Father. It's because of Jesus that I am at peace uh, with God. It's because of Jesus and his work on the cross that I have purpose Uh, in life that I have a mission to live for. Um, So if you are a Christian and you have made a confession of faith that Jesus Christ is your God, you've confessed that you have sinned and trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and have surrendered your life, then uh, I want you to come today and celebrate communion as we worship and take a piece of the bread. 
and dip it in the wine or juice and just say, Jesus, thank you for who you are and for what you've done for me. Uh, and if you stay up here today a little bit longer, just to even pray. Uh, give thanks to God for what he's doing in your life right now. Uh, I'm sure we could go on for a few hours of just people wanting to say and, and share what God has done. Uh, but at a communion table today, uh, maybe give thanks to God for the thing you didn't get to share, but you can share with him uh, through prayer that you're very thankful for uh, the thing he's done. So Jesus, I give thanks for the stories that uh, were shared in this place today. Jesus, I give thanks for the, I just know many stories that didn't get uh, shared today. Uh, but God, I just give thanks that you uh, have given us each a story, uh, most clearly the story of the gospel and Jesus' great love, his life poured out for us. So we give you thanks for that. But Jesus, I also give thanks that um, I just believe, God, you are at work in our church. Uh, God, I believe that your work uh, in each of our lives. God, we all have uh, so many things just to say thank you to you for to say thank you to you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your provision, your unending love, your relentless pursuit of each of us. God, if there's still someone here today that uh, is maybe confused or has a hard time believing that, God, I just pray that their heart would be so open to you today to receive your love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your forgiveness, your faithfulness, your holiness, your righteousness. God, that today uh, someone's heart would be open to to receive you, Jesus. So Jesus, thanks for doing um, only what you could have done uh, to make us right with a very holy God. So we celebrate, Jesus, your life, sinless life. We celebrate uh, your death that you died on a cross and we celebrate your resurrection. Because of those things, we have life and we give you thanks for that. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.